Sometimes I wonder now in October which is bigger, Halloween or Breast Cancer Awareness Month? <laughs> Mommy! It's the mom cast. Really, Mom? Mommy! Mom! You are listening. Mom cast! The mom cast. Hi there, it's Stacy. And Heather. We're glad you're here for another mom cast. They're both fun, right? <laughs> they both can be a little scary. That's right. Yeah. Um, it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and um, this is the time of year because it spills over into November often. Um, but we've got some good information, and I'm glad you're here because moms, we especially, I mean, don't think that you're young. I have little ones pregnant, can't get breast cancer. That's right. And we take care of everyone else before ourselves a lot of times. Yeah. So um, we've got some good information for you. Now, Heather, you've got little ones, so tell me about, we've got trick-or-treat. While we're on that, I want everybody to be safe and to be careful. Um, What are the costumes this year? I believe my little girls are kind of moving over to the dark side like their mom, and we are moving from princesses to vampire sisters. Vampire sisters? Yeah, so they're they're real into looking similar and dressing similarly, and so they went to the uh, Halloween store and got all of their accessories, and they're getting... um, their grandma's making them capes, and it, we're going the whole nine. You know, got wow. the sharp teeth. So no more princesses in our house. How about you, Stacy? Is she um, too old? You know what, Liv? I think Liv kind oh. of feels like she's um, too old for that That's now. That's sad. Um, her school, they're in, um, they have a trip to Washington, D.C., which is a whole different podcast. Um, but she's <laughs> she's not home. Oh um, my we gosh. are tracking her on our phone. I'm sure. Um, but... She, when they come back, they do the, what is it? I can never remember, trunk or trunk treat. Trunk or treat. So they're doing that. Um, okay. And so it's just, they'll be zombies because they will have been in Washington, D.C. <laughs> all week. So it all works out. Um, but no, she's kind of at that age. She's 13. Yeah. Um, but she's still at 12 last year. She was still all in. All in. Um, but this year, she's she's kind of pulled back, which doesn't mean anything. I think you should be able to trick or treat as long as you want. Absolutely. I wanted to bring up this. Um, you know what the Teal Pumpkin Project is? Yes. Is is that the allergy? Yes. So the two things to keep in mind, teal is a greenish blue and it can be painted. It can be a ceramic pumpkin. But basically that means this home is saying we're good for kids who have allergies. allergies. So peanuts, whatever it may be, they're ready to go. Maybe even not candy. A lot of people will then put out like little toys and stuff. stickers I've yeah, seen for the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, the other this year, it's a newer thing. Um, is the blue, the color blue, whether it's a blue pumpkin or blue ribbons or whatever, um, a mom who has a child with autism has kind of started this on her own on Facebook and suggested other parents of kids with autism or special needs put a blue ribbon on and people would know to maybe be be kinder, like if they're not able to say trick-or-treat. More patient. Or, yeah, maybe yeah. just understanding. Because there are some people that go, hey, say trick or treat. Oh, yeah. And they don't know. They're not trying to be mean. Um, or maybe not rushing up on them or trying to frighten them. Um, that's a little controversial, I found. I thought it was a great idea. I did I'm going to be honest. I thought it was spectacular. But I put it on our MomCast page, and a mom was very upset. She said, we're just labeling, labeling. the kids. So I, I get that, too. Um, but I'd love to know what people think. I thought it was a good idea, and I kind of still feel that way. And I guess it's up to the moms yes. or dads to decide if they feel like it's a good thing yeah, for the I kids. Totally... But, but for those of you, I just wanted to be aware, if you see teal, that's allergies. If you see blue, um, it's for autism or special needs. 
Um, and I know some people have trouble distinguishing between the two. <laughs> so, yeah, those colors are similar. They're a little tough. Maybe we should have gone with red. <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> but be careful out there. Have a good time. And hopefully no one will be frightened this Halloween. What happens when you go too long between mammograms? You know, I don't know how you could be on the planet and not know that October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And, of course, pink all around us. And I sometimes feel like we forget, even though the message has gotten through so well, sometimes it, you know, we got to nudge ourselves as ladies and say, besides putting on pink, make sure you're actually getting your mammogram and doing what you're supposed to do. And full disclosure right now, I went um, almost three years between mammograms. And I didn't mean to do it. I'm not going to make any excuses up, though. I did it bad me and I went to get my mammogram and of course I got what I call pulled over (laughs) I got pulled over and there was something that wasn't quite right turns out I have breast I have dense breast tissue and I had no idea that's never been an issue before but it is today and things have changed and so I want to make sure you get that information Uh, Not only during this month, but all year long, because ladies, as always, we are the people we have to take responsibility for our own health and we take care of everybody else. Got to take care of you. And so today I'm excited because I'm talking with Amy Kerger, breast imaging radiologist at the James, and she practices at the Stephanie Spielman Comprehensive Breast Center. And we're going to be talking about how things have changed. And we're going to be talking about dense breast tissue and the different ways now that they can determine what's going on. Because a regular mammogram that maybe you had a few years ago may not cut it anymore. Dr. Kerger, thank you for being here. Well, thanks for having me, Stacy. It's nice to be here today. I appreciate you taking some time to talk with us. Let's talk just if we could start Do you ever get that feeling with all the pink and everything that's going on? Um, That's been such a wonderful program. I think breast cancer awareness kind of started it for everybody, if you think about it, you know, with the colored ribbons and all of that. Sometimes, though, I feel like we ladies tend to forget what it means. We, We get all our pink stuff out in October and then we don't look at our history and go, wait, did I do this this year? Is it time? Uh, Do you ever get that feeling? Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, being women, we're so busy. We're moms. We're working. We're taking care of the family. And we sometimes forget to take care of ourselves. And October is supposed to remind us to do that. But then we all get caught up in the pink and in, you know, promoting that. But then we sometimes forget when we last had a mammogram. So I think it's great to be talking about this today and let women know what's out there and what they need to do to take care of themselves. Well, and that's the thing, because I think Times change. I mean, in those three years, again, shame on me, don't do that. In those three years that I went, things changed dramatically since the last time I had had a mammogram. Um, I had no idea that I had dense breast tissue. Um, Let's talk first, though, about who needs to get them, because there's always, I'm, I'm not sure why, there's always some confusion about who needs to have a mammogram and when. Absolutely. There's a lot of confusion these days about who needs a mammogram and when we should start getting mammograms and how often we should get mammograms. And part of that is because you have multiple different organizations putting out multiple different guidelines. 
But the American College of Radiology, the Society of Breast Imagers, the American College of Breast Surgeons, the National Comprehensive Cancer Network all recommend starting your mammograms at the age of 40 and getting them every year annually. That is because we know that we have had, when we started breast cancer screening back in the 1980s, we've had a drop of about 40% in women dying from breast cancer by starting at the age of 40 and getting them annually. Um, there's been no scientific proof that started pushing it back to 50 is going to do anything but lose lives. And we've done lots of studies since the United States Task Force came out with the recommendations to begin mammograms at 50, and they've shown that we'll lose another 6,500 women a year if we begin breast cancer screening at the age of 50. And also, the women that will find breast cancer and maybe survive it are going to go through more extensive and more expensive treatments because of that. We also know that 40% of women who have life years lost to breast cancer are in their 40s. So starting at 50 just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. So we who do this for a living, who see this, recommend starting at the age of 40 and getting it annually. Now, does that mean, you know, if I go to my doctor, obviously I am over 40, so for me it's not an issue. But for a lot of the gals that listen to MomCast, you know, if you are younger, does that mean you may have to say to your doctor, I want to do this? Or will the doctor automatically, in other words, are there situations where if you're 40, your doctor may not suggest it for you? That you could be. Um, some of the other organizations, some of your um, family medicine organization, your internal medicine organization, some of them are promoting starting at 50 with the United States Task Force recommendations. Um, but many of the physicians that I know still recommend it at the age of 40, even if they are family medicine or internal medicine. Um, you know, the government or Congress has passed an act called the PALS Act, which is um, protecting against... Um, loss of screening. And they put that into effect when the United States Task Force came out with their recommendations a few years ago, basically so that women could still get their mammograms at the age of 40 and get them annually and have insurance pay for it. So ladies, you know, let your Congress people know you want that to continue because um, that act will expire at some point in time and then it will have to be revisited. Yeah. And that's, a, that's kind of the, what's behind some of this, I'm sure, is the cost of it, which Again, when you talk about how many lives that are saved or extended, you know, you can make that argument for a lot of things. It's like, why? Why would you why would you go to 50? But um, so a woman, if it's not suggested, can certainly ask or certainly go. I know this screening, it, it's one where, you know, with mobile mammography units and all of that, you can actually go and. Well, you actually don't need a prescription right. you for can screening. Go do this on your own. Yeah. If you're over 40, you do not need a prescription for screening mammography. If you're under 40, you do. But if you're over 40, you can walk into any screening site. and Which and is the beauty them. of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I know pretty much everyone makes that available to you. So that's the good thing. Um, let's talk about younger just briefly. There are situations if a woman or may or may not even know. That's why it's good to know your history, correct? Correct. Because under 40, you may actually need to get a mammogram. Correct. So family history and genetics plays a big part. Now, granted, only about 15% of breast cancers result from people who have a strong family history or a genetic mutation that would cause them to have breast cancer, um, greater chance of it through their lives than the average person. Um, so women have to remember 85% of us don't have any of that and still can get breast cancer. But those who are of that 15 percent, 
they need to be having discussions with their physician about their family history, if they know they have a genetic mutation, and possibly come and see one of our high-risk doctors um, and get a workup, see if they need to start screening earlier. Um, sometimes they need additional screening tools like MRI to make sure that they are being covered because some of their cancers don't always show up on mammography. Um, and MRI is a little more sensitive for the high-risk population. Um, so the other population that we've recently discovered and looked at is our African-American women population. The American College of Radiology and the Society of Breast Imaging just came out with a study looking at epidemiology in the population, finding that our African-American women population have a greater chance of dying from breast cancer than our, our white population. Um, and so they tend to also get more aggressive breast cancers and find them at a little bit of an earlier age. So the recommendation now is that they should begin talking and getting screened by their physicians or general practitioners at the age of 30 to 40 wow. to make sure that maybe they don't, if they need to see a high-risk uh, provider or start their mammograms a little earlier. Sure. So that's something that our African-American women population needs to know because it's kind of a newer study. Yeah, I was going to say I was not uh, aware of that. I had heard something, you know, some rumblings about that. Wasn't completely aware of that. Let's talk about me and criticize me a little bit. Use me as a good example. Why should a woman not go three years, two years? Well, why is the why the importance of every single year? Because I know I have friends. I've done it. Oh, you know, I'm good. No family history. I don't need to go this year. I'll catch it the next time. Well, and we find not only do you're like, oh, I'm fine. I don't have family history, but we just get busy and forget. Um, the reason for yearly is a couple things. We know that if a woman gets breast or breast imaging screening yearly, that they are we are at a better chance of finding a cancer at a much smaller size, at a much lower grade, and that would result in less treatment, less surgery less extensive expense to the patient too. And we want to find these cancers when they're baby cancers, as I call them, because you're gonna do better. You're gonna feel better and you're gonna breeze through that and move on with your life. We don't wanna find them when they're big. And so yearly mammograms, we catch them a lot quicker. We're finding tiny minuscule millimeter cancers when you come on your mammogram, stuff that there's no way you or your physician are gonna feel. Because most women or physicians don't feel a cancer until mm -hmm. it's about two centimeters in size. And some cancers don't present as masses. Some of them present as little tiny calcifications that are the size of salt grains on your mammogram. And when we find those, then you get caught much earlier. So that is one reason. The other reason is if we have an annual mammogram also, we're able to look, we compare them. And if you wait many years, sometimes your breast parenchyma itself changes. It changes with weight loss, weight gain, having a baby, um, hormone changes through life. We're just constantly a changing being. And with those changes, sometimes if you wait many years, you end up getting called back for stuff that ends up being not a cancer. But And we just no guarantee you won't get called back if you come yearly. But we have a lesser sure. chance of that callback and that anxiety and fear coming in. And that is, it's anxiety and fear. And you're thinking, <laughs> what, you know, why did I wait? Why did I do those things? And, and sometimes you're very fortunate and sometimes something is found. Either way, I... It, it needs to be found. And I, I always tell women who feel nervous about it, it's better to know because of the odds and, and because of the treatment, you know, catching it early and all of those things. Let's talk about why it's important where you go to get a mammogram. So you should definitely be going to a American College of Radiology certified uh, place for your screening mammography and your diagnostic. But if you go to a National Cancer Institute designated 
center, mm-hmm. such as the James and the Stephanie Spielman, you are guaranteed that all of the technologists, the MAMO techs, the ultrasound techs, and all of your radiologists are all board-certified breast imagers, meaning all we do all day long is look at breast imaging. We do mammograms, ultrasounds, MRIs, only the breast. We do biopsies, of the, only the breast. So we are the experts. And if you go to an NCI-designated center like ours, then that's what you're going to get. You're going to get the experts taking care of you. There are only 51 of these centers across the United States, and in Ohio, we are the only ones. Wow. Okay, let's talk about what they told me. I have dense breast tissue. And when I first heard that, you know, you get nervous, then you find out it is fairly common at points in in a woman's life. So let's talk about that, what that means and um, what it means for your mammogram. Exactly. So um, the reason that you're just hearing about your dense breasts, maybe you've had them all your life, is because in the last probably eight to 10 years, there has been a law that's been being put into effect in, in every state um, called the dense breast law. And that law was started by a lady out in California, Dr. Capolello, and she got breast cancer and found out she had dense breasts and didn't know that. And so she decided to help women out by being the advocate to make sure that you were notified if you had dense breast, t- dense breast tissue. It's tough to on your say. Mammogram, right? <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. it is. <laughs> um, so basically, Ohio has had that law for several years. That law states that mm. in your report, we have to designate what your breast density is. And when we designate that you're in the dense breast category, that you get a letter on your letter, you get a little blurb at the bottom that letting you know that you have dense breast tissue and that that may put you at a higher risk for getting breast cancer. And that may also mean that you may want to look into supplemental screening uh, options and that you should discuss that with your primary care physician. So that is all wonderful. Now you know about it. What does that really mean to you in the population? So 50% of American women have dense breast tissue. So at any given time, 50% of us are walking around like that. Um, That can change year to year. One year you may get a dense breast letter. Next year you may not. If you've gained weight, if you lose weight, if you have hormone changes, if you have a baby, all of that, all of our physiologic Mm -hmm. things can change our tissue. Some women are 90 and still have dense breasts. It's just a genetic thing. They just have dense breasts. Other people, our breast tissue changes and becomes more fatty as we age. So if you get a letter like that, that's telling you, hey, maybe I need to look at this. Reasons for that and why it's important is there is a small increased risk, a risk factor of itself when you have dense breast tissue that puts you at a little higher risk for breast cancer. So that mixed with some other risk factors could put you at a higher risk for getting breast cancer in the future. The other thing is the masking effect it has on the mammogram, meaning cancer, when it's a mass, is white. Breast tissue is white. So it's like if I took a snowball and I set it in your lawn on the snow and told you to stand at the end of the street and find me that snowball, you probably couldn't recognize it because it's white on white. It's the same idea. So when women have dense breast tissue, we recommend that they talk to their physician about supplemental screening. One of the things all women of any breast density can, can do for themselves is we have what we call 2D mammograms, which is your standard mammogram that every woman's always gotten. And we have what we call 3D mammograms or tomosynthesis. That type of mammogram allows us to look at the breast in kind of a 3D motion. Mm -hmm. It is the same mammogram. You're not going to really notice much difference when you get the mammogram. Um, But it allows us, the radiologist, to look at through the tissue almost like a CT. So it cuts the breast into one millimeter slices for us so we can designate some things. The other stuff, that thing that women can do when they're talking to their doctor about supplemental screening is if they are high risk, meaning they have a greater than 20% lifetime risk of getting breast cancer, 
then MRI would be recommended and the insurance usually will cover that. Right now, insurance doesn't cover for just having dense breasts. So that's not a pocket expense. But there is another uh, modality we have called whole breast screening ultrasound. And so we can use ultrasound and that finds an extra three to four cancers per thousand women with dense breast tissue. So that is another option on top of the tomosynthesis, which the 3D mammogram, which will find another one to two cancers per 1,000 women. So if you have dense breast parenchyma on your mammogram, these are some other options to just ensure we've covered everything. Mm-hmm. So the um, whole breast ultrasound, I believe I, I had that. I went through like a phase of things because they still couldn't see. And I and then they were they kind of chuckled and said, you know, you were just leaning a certain way. I mean, there's no way to tell. And they have to kind of get in there and see um, when, when a woman is told she has dense breast tissue, is that when she would have one of those? Um, what situation would call for that? Or, you know, I, there might be someone listening saying, well, why don't they just give everybody those? In exactly. other words, so we don't give it to everybody because a women who don't have dense breasts, the mammogram is has a sensitivity that is very high, like 98 percent. So we, they don't really need it. It'd be, I mean, if they want it, they could possibly have it. The insurance probably wouldn't pay for it and can be a waste of their money. However, a woman who has dense breasts, this is a great screening tool for them to get a little bit extra coverage to ensure that, they, that we aren't missing a cancer on the mammogram because the sensitivity on mammogram decreases a little bit. Now, mammogram is still the standard and still the best way to find the cancers because there are some cancers that aren't masses, as I discussed, that only can be seen on mammogram and are not seen on ultrasound. This is why we don't start with the ultrasound. But the patient needs to discuss that with their physician. So they will get a letter from us if you have dense breast. You'll get an extra letter that states that you have the dense breast tissue and that we offer this automated whole breast screening ultrasound. You should discuss that with your physician. We are not saying you have to have it. We are just recommending you have a discussion to see if this would be something that would be good for you. And if so, then your physician can order it, and then you can have it. Uh, Currently, we have that located at our Worthington site. Um, We are getting a few more in the future. Nice. And and how is that furthering individual screenings? Because obviously that's newer, newer, and I'm sure there's even newer things on the horizon. Yes. So as you know, there's no routine cancer. (laughs) And at the James... We really try to individualize your care for your needs. So automated whole breast screening ultrasound allows you to take a unique unique portion of what your body has, which Mm -hmm. is the dense breast tissue, and allow you to have something performed that would benefit your health and make sure that you've ensured that you don't have anything lurking in there that we can't see with the mammogram. Right, right. And are there new things that are brewing um, new technologies, anything new in the screening process that you see? Not in the screening process. Um, whole breast, automated whole breast screening ultrasound is probably our newest screening tool, um, which is fantastic. And it's, it's an easy um, exam. It takes about 15 minutes. Um, so it doesn't take very long. It has no radiation, which is great. Um, so that's our newest thing in the screening tool. We do have some new things on the horizon in the diagnostic tool, meaning once we've seen something on your mammogram or mm-hmm. even biopsied and you have a new cancer, we have some some new technologies that are coming out um, to better look into those things a little easier. And one of those is contrast-enhanced mammography. Um, what this is is if we were to find a cancer and want to look for additional lesions or let's say your mammogram has multiple things that we're concerned about and to kind of it out the diagnostic mm-hmm. aspect of things we can do 
what looks like a regular 2D mammogram, so it would be a regular mammogram. Then we give IV dye or contrast, mm-hmm. and then we take a few more pictures with the mammogram, and that allows us to see contrast enhancement. This allows us to look at the breast in an anatomic view with the mammogram, just in the breast anatomy itself, and also look at the physiologic things that are happening and see if there's anything enhancing in there that we didn't see with the mammogram itself. So this is not yet to be a screening tool at all. So you can't just go and say, hey, I want this done. But if we, the radiologist, happen to see something and think this would be a benefit to help make sure there's nothing else going on and to evaluate some other things, this would be a nice tool to help us. Right now at the James, we don't currently have this tool, but we are looking to get this in the near future. So at some point in time, if that were to happen and you were to come in and get a mammogram and we found something and we wanted to utilize contrast-enhanced mammography, we would contact your physician and we would ask for a order for that and then we would be able to do this test for you to ensure everything's okay. Well, obviously, I, I think through all of this we're seeing and we've known it, but it continues to be the case that early detection, I mean, working on the detection, finding it is the key Correct. for this. And, and seeing more avenues to finding that at an earlier rate. Um, yeah, I, I, a friend um, had zero, stage zero breast cancer. I didn't know that was even a thing. And it was kind of as you described, she was, it, it, there was treatment, but it was, she's gone on and she's perfectly fine. There was such a difference finding it then as opposed to stage three. Or four. Right. And we've come a long way. You have to remember the screening program started in the 1980s. And since the 1980s, we've come a really long way of finding earlier cancers, detecting things for women, and making the treatment less radical because of that. So early detection is the key. All right. And again, don't do what I do. <laughs> that was that was bad. And I haven't done it since either, by the way, because that it that, that has a way of frightening you <laughs> when you wait a little while. And even though it was something like dense breast tissue, it still can be a harrowing thing to hear because you think, oh, you know, it, it could be me. So there are women every day. I, I was struck as I was at my mammogram and going through all of that and doing the extra steps. Um, how many women were there that day just going through what they thought was their annual mammogram or maybe they had waited, but I was one of the very fortunate ones. Everything was clear, but there were women while I was there that were pulled aside and, you know, had the conversation that there was something there. So, um, again, it's the hope when you're finding it early that the treatment is there. The James is, is an amazing place to go and to get your treatment if you have to get it. Um, but detection, that's that's why we're here. That's why we're talking about it. And moms, I'm talking to you because trust me, I get it. We're busy, kids. Um, maybe you think I'm too young. Um, maybe you think there's no family history. Whatever is going on. Um, it's. I always say when you're on an airplane, what do they tell you? If the masks drop, put them on you first because you can't take care of your kids or anyone else if you don't take care of you first. So please do that. Doctor, thank you for coming. Amy Kerger, breast imaging radiologist at the James. We appreciate you being with us today and getting some of this information out. Thank you, Stacy. Wow, lots of great information. Stay safe this Halloween. Thank you so much for joining us. And hey, make sure you take the time to write a review about us. That helps get the word out about MomCast. And of course, like us, share us on Facebook, and we want to get the word out to your other mom friends. 
I'm Heather with Stacy. Thank you so much for being here. And we'll see you next time.